open up your Bibles to Matthew, the 16th chapter, and we live in such an incredible day. You know, some people may not realize the significance of the day we live in, what's happening, you know, what's going on, and you can live your life and not really know the significance of the day that you live in. Meaning, if you live 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, you could live and die and not know the significance in the hour you were alive in and really waste your life. And uh, not that we would do that, but Matthew 16, I'm going to read three verses here. Uh, Matthew 16, 1, verse 1 through 3. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees, these were the head religious dudes of the day. They came and they were testing him, Jesus, and asked him that he would show them a sign from heaven. To me, this is wild because they saw him regularly. They'd see people that were crippled, healed, and stuff. But then they come and they said, show us one. And I like Jesus. You know, everybody look at your wrist and look at your bracelet. What would Jesus do, right? And he answered, and this is going to tell you what he would do. And he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. In other words, it's, you know, looks like this. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. So I guess, you know, a lot of clouds. He said, hypocrite. So what would Jesus do? He called people hypocrites. He said, hypocrites, you know how to discern or understand the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Amazing. They're here in this context challenging Jesus, who probably the majority of us in this room have a personal relationship with him, have received him, and he lives in us and we know him. So we may not look at it like this, but these people are challenging him. You, you show us a sign. And he's basically saying, you don't even know the time you're living in. Basically, he's saying, the Savior of the world is standing in front of your face and you don't even know it. You know, and I wonder sometimes when people say, well, I wish I was alive back when Jesus was on the earth. Well, here were people alive when Jesus was on the earth, and they're just up in his face challenging him. And he said, you guys don't even know what time it is. You don't. You're coming against me, and I'm the one who came from heaven for you to die for you, and they're challenging him. And they never really got on board with him. Some did. Not all the Pharisees did. And they're challenging him, not believing, not accepting. And he said, you hypocrites, you know how to do this. And, you know, we could say it like this. We can watch the news and figure out the weather. But does that help us know what time we're living in in the earth? And so, obviously, these people had no clue what time it was. I would say this. There were people who knew, but not real accurate. 
You with me? Even some of Jesus' disciples, after he died and rose again, they didn't even know what was going on because they said, well, are you going to now restore the kingdom? You know, are you going to take up rule? And he says, not for you to know the day or the hour, but he did teach so we could know when he would return. And so we're going to talk about signs and what time is it? And I know there's a lot of teaching on this, and, and uh, you know, I think we'll just look at some, some different things here for the next, like I said, three or four weeks that are definitive. You know what I mean? In other words, not like if it rains, you know the Lord's coming back. Well, it rained. No, I mean like stuff that's so written in the Bible that it couldn't be mistaken for the end. I mean, just couldn't be mistaken. In other words, especially if multiple things happen. And so, did God put things in the Bible so we could know before he returned? So we would be ready. So we would kind of up our game, so to speak, or make sure we had our priorities right and we weren't caught up with the mundane things of life. Because one thing about the end of times is that will be one of the challenges. People will become lovers of themselves, their own plan, their own purpose. They'll be too busy for God. I mean, so I got God once, once in a while. No, priorities will change if we really, if you really believed he was coming in a month or a year or something, or two, how somebody said, oh, two years, that's plenty of time. That's not a lot of time. Now, when you're in first grade, that's a long time. But when you graduate from high school and you get a few years under your belt, you think two years is like nothing. You with me? And so we're going to look at some of these things, and one of them I want to look at today, and you can turn there, is to Ezekiel 38 in the Bible, and uh, read a set of scriptures, and once you get to Ezekiel, I'm going to explain something before we read, so that, uh, now remember, this is written thousands of years ago, so when people say, well, what about the Bible? You know, it's been rewritten. Listen. This stuff is accurate. It's going to come to pass, and it's coming to pass in ways that would blow people's minds. But they're so against the book, they won't even crack it. You with me? And I think, what if you could read tomorrow's newspaper? What if you could read next year's newspaper? What if you could read the newspaper that comes out or the internet news uh, two and five or ten years from now. What if you could read that? Would it affect your investments? Oh, guarantee. You'd ride the stock market up. You'd say, throw it all in and pull it out the day before. And then you would just work things based on future news, wouldn't you? Hey, there's going to be a, a booming economy or, oh, it's going to lull a little bit. Let's just hold off on doing this and wait six months because they're going to start running specials on cars. You know what I mean? Now, gas prices are going to drop. I'm not going to drive for the next three months. Right, not in Arizona. You'll keep driving and pay. 
But you understand, if there is news, I mean, if you knew there was going to be a disaster and some tidal wave that was weird in California and you had a beach trip set then, you're not going to ignore it. You're just not going, right? Would you warn anybody? Well, if they were my friend. No, you'd warn everybody. So in Ezekiel, I'm going to read this whole chapter, but before I do, I want to explain something because there's some names that are going to be brought up here, and you can go look these things up online. You can look at old maps. There is some discrepancies because some of the maps in my view or research and looking, you know, only go so far north, you know, and don't go like maybe to the North Pole or whatever, but we have those today. But some of the old maps, so anyway, uh, and Bible scholars, most Bible scholars accept these things and, and, and people who study, you know, so it's going to talk about this battle that's going to come. It's going to explain that it's at the end of days, and it'll talk about these guys, Gog and Magog, who were people who settled in an area and uh, it's going to list six nations. And so in Magog, or as modern-day Russia, is what many Bible people believe. Persia, which is modern-day Iran. Man, they changed that not too long ago from Persia. You know, because what kind of rugs did people like? Well, I didn't, but people do. Persian rugs. And, uh, you know, and they were nice. And, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago they changed their name. Cush, uh, that was the mattress company. Uh, no, sorry, from rugs. No, Cush, modern-day Ethiopia. Put, uh, modern-day Libya. Gomer, uh, modern-day Eastern Europe. And which is, formerly, was the Soviet bloc nations, you know, which... Uh, you know, some of them actually have kind of gotten back under control of Russia somewhat. You know, we know about Crimea, where they went in, Russia went in and took that seaport uh, from Ukraine. Well, they used to be under their control, but it talks about these Western nations. But part of this that's included is the Western side of Russia. So in all reality, it could just be a repeat. So if people question, you know, modern-day Russia as Magog, because some people do, it's definitely covered in the other. And then Beth Togomar, which is modern-day Turkey. And uh, so with that being said, some of those bigger countries we would talk about would be Russia, Turkey, Iran, you know, Ethiopia, and so on. So, have any of those guys been in the news lately? Depends what news you look at, right? So, I'm going to read Ezekiel starting in verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog uh, of the land of Magog. So, Russia, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaw and lead you out with all your army horses and horsemen. And now you understand this, when we read these things, if you read the book of Revelation and it talks about certain uh, ways that 
things are used in battle and inflict pain and do certain things and it says it's long and it makes this sound like this wind and it's got like a horse's a man's it's like a horse's face long but it's got a man's face in it some people think could that be like an apache type of helicopter you know it's got a long front cuz when you're prophesying by the word of the lord you can't say 20 600 years ago or 2,000 years ago or 1,900 years ago, oh, it's a helicopter. There weren't. And then it talked about how they had wings and they flew and then these things would come out of it, you know. So when he's talking about armies, horses, and horsemen, we would say probably in our day and age, jeeps, you know, because what would a chariot look like back then? A horseless chariot. But anyway, it goes on to say, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields. A buckler is just a smaller type of shield. All of them handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia, which Persia we know is Iran, Ethiopia and Libya are with them. All of them with shield and helmet, Gomer, and all its troops are in the house of Togermah. And it says, from the far north, and all its troops. So it's just gathering and talking about those areas that are up above, like Turkey and the things that were already named. Many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days, after many days. So he's talking literally, and he'll explain in the latter years, the latter time. In many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel. So he talks about them coming back, the children of Israel, being cast out of the land and then in the latter years being drawn back. It says, for which had long been desolate. The land where they were was desolate. They did not steal the land they're in right now. They paid for it, but it was already theirs. And it was desolate, and it was totally junk. And if you go read anything about it, Israel should not be in a fruitful land. It has different types of desert that are not supposed to produce. Now, there are some areas, but for the most part, that land is junk 90 years ago. It was lame desolate. That's why they were able to get it back. That's why nobody argued about it till of late. And it says, they were brought out of the nations. Well, we know that occurred in 1948. Jesus prophesied and said, you know, after a certain amount of time, and it was about 70 A.D., Israel, even though there were little pockets of people still in that land always, but literally the mass of them were spread everywhere around the world. And they started coming back in the 40s. And, you know, the nation of Israel was formed or recognized again in 1948 in May. And now all of them dwell safely. Now he's talking about the present after they've come back. You will ascend coming like a storm. Now talking about those people coming upon him. He said, you'll come like a storm, covering the land like a cloud. You and all your troops and many peoples with you. 
Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass, I like when he says that, that thoughts, now these, this is not good, but this is what's going to cause them to come to this place that was desolate. Uh, thoughts will arise in your mind and you'll make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely. And, I mean, think about it, and they do. Israel helps people today. All of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. To take a plunder and take a booty or, you know, a spoil. Well, they're in a desolate land when they go back, but by the time this occurs, people are going to go in to take their stuff. Well, what stuff do they got? To stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations. Well, he's describing. This has never happened in history where a nation was dispersed over any length of time and then was brought back and had their language and let alone that it took almost 2,000 years, you know, 1,900 years, basically, for this to occur. And it says they were brought back from the nations. It even talks about how they'd be called out of the north. That was one of the last places they were released from, was when the Iron Curtain fell, they were able to come back. But from all over the world, they came. And it says, who have acquired livestock? So they're going to come against them. They've acquired livestock and goods. So this desolate land now has got some goods, and people are like, we're going to go get those goods. Who dwell in the midst of the land of Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your armies to take booty and to carry away silver, gold, to take away livestock and goods? to take great plunder. So people are going to ask him when they come, what are you doing? We would say it'll be on the news. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? In other words, they will know they're dwelling safely in this land. Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses and a great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land, and it will be in the latter days. Now, that's not the first time he said it, but that defines something, the latter days. So here's the thing. When this comes to pass, it tells us if you, you know, you ever tap your watch and think, is this thing working? Maybe not today because they're digital. And you're like, oh, it is working. When this comes to pass and when you see this, you can tap your watch or whatever and know what time it is. He said, it will be in the latter days that I will bring you against. And here's a statement that if you're allowed to write in your Bible, you should circle. And if it's your phone, just get a magic marker and circle that. Then when you go on to Facebook, you'll go, why, do, why is that thing circled? Well, that's got nothing to do with it. It's only for this scripture right here. If you can mark it, 
But notice this phrase. Somebody said, I don't get that. That's all right. A lot of people don't get my humor. We just keep moving. He said, well, bring it against my land. My land. Whose land? God's land. What are they fighting over? It's the Palestinians. It's their land. It's, this, it's Israel's land. No, it's God's land. And when the Lord returns, he's going to his land. Hey, when you go on vacation, if you've got a vacation property, where do you stay? At your land. You don't show up at your neighbor's land. Uh, just moving in here. What are you doing? Oh, I'm taking vacation. I've come. No, you go to your land. And when he comes back, now the whole earth is his, but you don't have a house over your whole property. You got it in an area. And I'll tell you what, when he comes back, he's coming back to, as he said, my land. He spoke this. So don't get all, when people say, well, this is the land of Israel. This is the land of the, well, God gave it to them, but it's his. So if you've got a problem with who's supposed to be there, I'll just say this, choose God's side. Let's just choose his. I mean, that's just wisdom to me. So that the nations may know me. When I am hallowed or made holy in you, O Gog, before their eyes, thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? Isn't it interesting? We're reading one set of scripture really a chapter and a half, two chapters. But there were other things that were not even written in the Bible, but there were prophets that kept prophesying, this is going to happen in the last days. And he said, there were others speaking this out. This is written, but this was something God kept reiterating and God kept reiterating. He's reiterated stuff to us as a church. But here he's reiterating this, said, hey, look, they said this. So what God said is going to come to pass, even if it doesn't happen overnight. And he said this will happen in the latter days, in the latter times. And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. We don't want to join those people's side. For in my jealousy and in, my, and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. So these things that he spoke were out of jealousy for his people and for his care for his people. We're his people now. But these are his covenant people. And it says, surely in that day there shall be great earthquake in the land of Israel. In other words, a great shaking. And we'll know that these start talking about a metaphors and things. So that the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. In other words, people are going to recognize, uh-oh, how, what in the world? And it says, the mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places Against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God, every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed, and I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him. 
flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, brimstone. Are these symbolic of bullets and missiles and every type of weaponry? He said, thus I will magnify myself and sanctify or set myself apart and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, not all but many, then they shall know that I am the Lord. Pretty interesting. It goes on in the next chapter. So it was a desolate, barren land. In 2013, Israel uh, became, you know, I mean, not in 2013, but this report is from them, but they have grown until they become, I mean, substantial in what they do. Literally, there's a report in 2013 that 95% of the produce grown in Israel, this is this barren land, they're helping nations, they're helping us, I was going to say the nation of California, uh, (laughs) with desalinization and stuff like that. I'm from there, so don't be offended. But, uh, But that being said, they help countries that are their enemies with how to get water because they're an independent water nation. In, they're in the desert. They're not dependent on anybody's water. They've got the ocean to draw from and they've learned how to do it. And now they export 95% of their produce grown is exported to Europe. Here's an interesting thought also. They produce and raise 95% of all that they need as a nation, which includes, you know, everything. I mean, every kind of food, meat, chickens, whatever. And they only, so 95% they raise, they cover their whole nation, up to 95%. They do import some sugar and some cattle and a couple other things, but they still do all that. They just haven't hit 100%. But they have so much left over, 95%. So the 95 and all this that covers is only less than 5% of what total what they produce. Hello? When you got starving countries and people who aren't producing, maybe up in the north, say, hey, these guys got something going on. They could cover, I mean, if they're covering, you know, and producing so much for Europe, I mean, 5% covers them, 95 gets exported. They're, they're growing a lot. This is no longer a desolate land. They have a spoil. And so... They currently, this is something we need to know, they are currently, you know, in the middle of some scuffles. This fruitful land. And uh, what we need to know is this, that if you pay attention to the news, Iran, Turkey, and Russia, the main players in this, have started and now have an alliance that never existed ever in history. As a matter of fact, for a time, they have been enemies. And just in the last year or two, they have formed an alliance that, you know, they've been starting to back each other. But what's so wild is this. Um, Turn, I'm trying to decide which way to go here. Because it's important, and I'm going to cover this stuff, but I think people need to know. 
that there is conflict that we don't hear tons about because our media is so slanted for the most part. It's the truth. It really is. Uh, I was looking and looking at stuff. Most of the news to find out what's going on there is in Europe. Some on Fox News. I saw one article from someone with a name. I was going to say their name. A national news source here. But anyway, will you pop these up, Gail? If you didn't know, Iran is in Syria right now. Remember ISIS? Remember those guys that, that our last administration let go? Well, it created a vacuum. And Syria's government was about to collapse, so Russia went in and helped them. And if you don't pay attention to the news, Russia is importing weapons there and troops in Syria. So it's a big deal. That's right next door to Israel. Israel is tiny, like one of our tiny northeastern states. I mean, tiny. And so Russia is there. They just built a seaport. They have military bases. Not only that, Iran now is in there, and they're importing missiles. And they had like seven bases or nine bases. And this right here is from about three, four weeks ago when they set up these bases, Iran did, and faced their missiles at Israel. They went in there to say, we're going to help this regime. And then they announced over their news, Israel should not be a nation, and we will annihilate them. So they went and set their missiles up, and then Israel does this, and it says with 70 missiles they attacked, I don't know if they're how many, exactly how many of these bases, wiped out every one of their missiles that they came and set up. You can go to the next slide. And this is from May 9th, so just three weeks ago. But the third one down says, Israel's minister, and these are news captions on a news outlet. The third one, Israel's minister of defense, I won't even try. Lieberman is his last name. Uh, stokes fears of war between the two nations by warning. If it rains in Israel, it will pour in Iran. That, that's an interesting statement. And they already, because they shot some missiles and one of Israel's drones, this is all just in the last month, month and a half, one of Israel's drones shot them down and then they said, all right, now we're going to wipe out every one of your missile bases in, in Syria. Somebody said, well, how do we know this is the end? Well, first of all, all these nations are aligned. You can move on back to the other one. Otherwise, people will be reading the news going, are you serious? There's a sale at... That's why we got rid of it. No. But turn with me to Isaiah 17. Isaiah 17. Why is this a big thing? It's real interesting that... Uh, that these people, should we, let me just say this, should we be afraid? No, we shouldn't, but we should know the day we live in. You with me? And so here it says this, uh, where are these things happening? In Syria, right? What is the capital of Syria? Damascus. Damascus is the capital of Syria. And so if you've got an alliance and all of a sudden these countries, especially Russia, has never had a presence there, and Turkey now has come together and is helping on their border, and they are, you just watch the news, 
and Russia is in there, and now Iran is in there. They, about a month and a half ago, I saw news articles with uh, ships and different transports bringing military equipment and troops from Russia into Syria. Why does this even matter? Remember, Jesus said, you don't know the hour of your visitation, but it wasn't, and he even one time said, search the scriptures in there, it will tell you of me. So if we search the scriptures, we already know who he is, but what about the possibility of things occurring in our day that might just happen? Notice this, Isaiah 17, 1. It says the burden, which would be, you know, the spirit moving on this prophet against Damascus. Where's Damascus? The capital of Syria. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city and it will be a ruinous heap. That's never happened. This is written over 2,000 years ago. And where is all this happening? Right there in Syria. Interesting thought. Now, has that come to pass? No. And what does it need to look like? I've said this because some people say, well, it's going to be a nuclear bomb. It'll be chemical weapons. It doesn't necessarily have to be. Because, see, if you're looking for something, all it has to do is qualify by Scripture. It doesn't have to qualify in your mind. In other words, meaning this, people like, oh, it'll be a nuclear bomb, then nobody will ever be able to be there ever again. All it takes is some massive destruction, and then this war breaks out, and then before, you know, then after this Ezekiel 38 and 39 war ends, maybe, you know, before people could ever move back, we enter into a certain period of time right before the tribulation, and all it would take is maybe a, you know, we don't know how long this war could be. You know, I think sometimes when people read scriptures, they think it'll last one day. This war could last 10 years. How long did the Vietnam War last? How did, long did World War II last? How long have different wars lasted? We don't know how long it will be. It could be drawn out, but Russia and these countries, especially Russia, will be pounded. But if this, a lot of the fighting happens there, that land could be so messed up, all it would take is, you know, a short period of time, say 10 years and then, or, or 7 or 8 or 12 years more, and the Lord returns before the land could be reestablished, and it didn't have to be blown up with the nuclear bomb. It just was laid waste, and they never re-inhabited it. They didn't rebuild it. You with me? It doesn't have to fit our narrative, is what I'm saying, or filters we've put on. And that's important. And so that being said, I want to read two verses and we're going to close. So has this come to pass? No. But I would say this. If it's near the end, we're seeing stuff and we'll look at other things. This is something to kind of watch out of the corner of your eye. If it happens in a year, what if it happens in 10 years? What if it happens in two months? What if, you know, whatever. And I will make this statement. Um, maybe I'll wait till next week. Turn to 1 John 3. I, I think, and I'm going to say this, and I'll probably touch on it again. I think we do a real bad service to the body of Christ when we get all these people on TV saying things that have no scriptural basis. Like this. You know, the United States is never mentioned in end-time prophecy. 
You know, the United States is never mentioned in the, and somebody will say, oh, well, they, it could be this, like this young eagle or this, whatever. Hey, it's not mentioned. So people say, you know, if the United States isn't mentioned in the scriptures, we're probably going to get destroyed. Yep, that's what's going to happen. We're so full of ourselves, it's not even funny as a people. Because if you use that logic, you can say Canada's not mentioned. Mexico's not mentioned. Guatemala's not mentioned. Honduras is not mentioned. Just go th- straight through Central America and just run right down into South America. Chile's not mentioned. Brazil's not mentioned. Peru's not mentioned. I mean, and then you can just jump to other continents and say, well, Australia's not mentioned. South Africa's not mentioned. New Zealand is not mentioned. Well, I guess they're not going to exist anymore. Then people start saying, no, that's foolish. We're just so selfish, and we may not even recognize it. It's all about us. Well, what about us? Well, if we're not written in there, we're not written in there. In some instances, I'm glad. Does this mean we won't back Israel? I mean, we could. But we're just not mentioned. You with me? I think there are grave misinterpretations that are thrown around because we think so selfishly. I will say this next week. (laughs) 1 John 3. Not every country, well, I'll wait. Because if I say it and don't explain it and show Scripture, people freak out. What? I hadn't heard that before. And it's not anything weird, but I've already thrown out enough seeds and I'll cover it at one point. Not every country is going to serve the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation. And they said, well, yeah, that's what I heard my whole life. No, it's not true. Can't be. Every empire that was mentioned that said would rule the world did not rule 100% of the world. Read. Go read history. Daniel's vision, they were the main player, but they didn't rule everybody. Second, we know the Antichrist will not rule everybody. Somebody said, yeah, it won't buy or sell without taking his mark. It's in that region and anywhere his influence is. But we know if we believe China is that army that is recognized as the 200 million man army that will come in what people call the Battle of Armageddon, which is not this, which happens at the end of the tribulation, they come to overthrow the Antichrist, and then the Lord returns. They're not serving him. That's over a billion people not serving him. Thank you for reading the obvious out of Scripture. Because if they're serving him, they're not coming against him. So that tells me right there, not everybody will serve him. And there are scriptures about people being alive and remain that didn't accept his mark, didn't accept his number, that he, the Lord, will come back for. Thank you for showing up to hear the rest of that. First John 3, and I was going to read 2, but now I'll read 1 for time's sake. Y'all with me? Now, don't throw me out the window. Heretic, heretic, let me explain. Let me share Scripture. You don't even have any to prove your point on that, that a 100%, because I already shot a hole through it. Because it's only one obscure Scripture. 
And we know not all the children of Israel will serve him. Because at a certain point, about three and a half years in, it says they'll recognize this guy is not it. That's when he'll start demanding people take a mark and a number. Or we maybe would recognize some kind of chip. Not a potato chip. A microchip. Some kind of something in a hand or in their forehead. And they're doing that kind of stuff now. And those people will not because they'll recognize at that point Jesus was our Messiah. He is the one. And they'll withstand the Antichrist. So there's another chunk of people. Thank you. Thank you. This is why I think it's good to look at these things in plain light. They would save us. I think this. There are some nations in play by prayer where and how they'll go during the Great Tribulation. What do you mean go? Meaning by where they serve and how things are. I think there will be some nations that will be just like in World War II. Wasn't it World War II? But not the whole world was in it. There were some neutral nations. So we'll see who shows up next week. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, or when He appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When the Lord comes back at the end of time, it said, We who have this hope, those of us who are saved, we're going to see him at his second coming, and we're going to be changed, and we're going to be like him. But notice verse 3, And everyone who has this hope or expectation in him purifies himself just as the Lord himself is pure. People who really start expecting, according to the scriptures, that the Lord is coming soon will have a change of life and lifestyle. It won't be that they can't enjoy things because we're told by scripture to enjoy things. And it's not a time to start selling and everything you got and start packing everything on credit cards going, praise the Lord, <laughs> apply for every credit card, get max and just do this. You are going to end up in jail for the next 20 years, be ineffective in the kingdom of God, and you'll have had great vacations for about two years till you got caught, and then the Lord comes back in 15 years, and you serve the last days in jail. This is not the time to... I have a friend. After I gave my life to the Lord, he finished medical school, became a doctor, a chiropractic doctor. He went to work for this company. This other doctor who had built this big practice in the, in the er, had been doing it for a while, but in the early 90s. And this guy was a Christian, and he started hearing this end time stuff. And you know what he did? He said, I'm just going to give you my practice. I'm moving to Colorado. That's where the flaky people move. And... Um, that was a joke. I'm just kidding. That's where the flaky people go. And he just went up there with them. Uh, I'm kidding. Somebody's like, I'm, uh, I'm from Colorado. See, you moved out. That's what I'm No. But he went there because the end of the world was going to come 22 years ago or 30 years ago now. And that is not what this is supposed to do. There were certain things that were not even in play. The thing we just read this morning wasn't even in play back then. 
wasn't even happening like it is today. And who knew it would happen now and start to see some things. So that's not what this is for. This is so that we'll be sober about our lives and reaching people, doing God's plan. Whether, you know, the end comes, you know, somebody said, well, I'm just going to jack up a bunch of bills and do this. No, because if we miss the exact time, and even if we don't, that's not how we're supposed to live. That would be irresponsible. That wouldn't be being a good steward. And here's the other side. Does this mean don't go on vacation anymore? No, the Bible said God gave us this earth to enjoy it. The problem is we've substituted enjoying it for making it our God. And it's all about this earth. No, our priorities just need to get adjusted. You with me? In other words, there are some people who are like, okay, I'm never eating cake again. I'm never eating ice cream again. No, use self-control. Enjoy some. Don't go from one extreme to the other. But know this, we live in a day and age where we're getting closer to the end and real close. And the more we read, the more you may go, huh, interesting.